Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. I'd like to say hello to some friends. Hello to Evan and Xander. Hello to Alexa Renton. And hello to Gray and Foster. I have a very special belated birthday wish going out to Evan, who turned eight on January 2nd. I'm so sorry I missed your birthday, Evan. I hope you had a super great day. I'd also like to say a happy belated birthday to Nora Gaines, who turned three years old on January 16th. Thank you, Evan and Xander, Alexa, Gray and Foster, Evan, and Nora for your support. It's so nice meeting all of you. Our sleep story is the last chapter of Peter Pan. In this final chapter, the boys have taken over the ship and it is time for Wendy and the boys to go home. Mr. and Mrs. Darling are so happy to see them again after their time in Neverland. The Lost Boys have come as well, and they live with Wendy and the family. Peter promises to come back and visit Wendy, but time passes differently in Neverland, and that day never comes. Wendy grows up and has a daughter of her own, and one night they hear a crow. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths. How you get more and more relaxed with each breath how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in 
and breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, thoughts of the day or the day to come may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story and music. Breathe in. And breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with the final chapter of Peter Pan. By two bells that morning, they were all awake. For there was a big sea running. They all wore pirate clothes, cut off at the knee. It need not be said who was the captain. Nibs and John were first and second mate. Peter had already secured himself to the wheel, but he gathered all hands and delivered a short address to them. Then a few sharp orders were given, and they turned the ship round and nosed her for the mainland. Captain Pan calculated, after consulting the ship's chart, that if this weather lasted, they should strike the Azores about 21st of June, after which it would save time to fly. Instead of watching the ship, however, we must now return to that sad home from which three of our characters had taken flight so long ago. It seems a shame to have neglected number 14 all this time, and yet we may be sure that Mrs. Darling does not blame us. If we had returned sooner to look in on her, she would probably have cried, Don't be silly. What do I matter? Go back and keep an eye on the children. One thing I would like to really do, and that is tell her, in the way authors have, that the children are coming back, that indeed they will be here on Thursday this week. This would spoil so completely the surprise to which Wendy and John and Michael are looking forward. They have been planning it out on the ship. Mother's bliss, father's shout of joy, Nana's leap through the air to try and embrace them first. The only change to be seen in the night nursery is that between nine and six, the kennel is no longer there. When the children flew away, Mr. Darling felt in his bones that all the blame was his for having tied Nana up and that from first to last, she had been wiser. He went down on all fours and crawled into the kennel. To all Mrs. Darling's dear invitations to him to come out, 
he replied sadly but firmly, No, this is the place for me. In his sadness, he said that he would never leave the kennel until the children came back. On that eventful Thursday evening, Mrs. Darling was in the night nursery awaiting Mr. Darling's return home. A very sad-eyed woman sleeping. She startled awake, calling her children's names, but there was no one in the room except for Nana. Oh, Nana, I dreamt my dear ones had come back. Nana had filmy eyes, but all she could do was to put her paw gently on her owner's lap. And they were sitting together like this when the kennel was brought back. After dinner and their normal conversations, George asked, Won't you play me to sleep on the nursery piano? And as she was crossing to the day nursery, he added thoughtlessly, And close that window, please. I feel a draft. Oh, George, never ask me to do that. The window must always be left open for them. Always, always. Now it was his turn to say sorry, and she went into the day nursery and played. And soon, Mr. Darling was asleep. And while he slept, Wendy and John and Michael flew into the room. They landed on the floor, and the youngest one had already forgotten his home. John, he said, looking around him doubtfully, I think I have been here before. Of course you have, you silly. There is your old bed. So it is, Michael said, but not with much conviction. I say, cried John, the kennel and he dashed across to look into it. Perhaps Nana is inside it, Wendy said. But John whistled. Huh, he said. There's a man inside it. It's father, exclaimed Wendy. Let me see father, Michael begged eagerly. Wendy and John had been somewhat surprised at finding their father in the kennel. Surely, said John, like one who had lost faith in his memory, he didn't used to sleep in the kennel. John, Wendy said, perhaps we don't remember the old life as well as we thought we did. It is very careless of our mother, said that little scoundrel John, not to be here when we come back. It was then that Mrs. Darling began playing again. It's mother, cried Wendy, peeping. So it is, said John. Then are you not really our mother, Wendy? Asked Michael, who was surely sleepy. Oh, dear, exclaimed Wendy, with her first real twinge of remorse. It was quite time we came back. 
Let us creep in, John suggested, and put our hands over her eyes. But Wendy, who saw that they must break the joyous news more gently, had a better plan. Let us all slip into our beds and be there when she comes in, just as if we had never been away. And so, when Mrs. Darling went back to the night nursery to see if her husband was asleep, all the beds were occupied. The children waited for her cry of joy, but it did not come. She saw them, but she did not believe they were there. You see, she saw them in their beds so often in her dreams that she thought this was just the dream hanging around her still. She sat down in the chair by the fire where in the olden days she had held them. Mother, Wendy cried. That's Wendy, she said, but still she was sure it was a dream. Mother, that's John, she said. Mother, cried Michael. He knew her now. That's Michael, she said, and she stretched out her arms for the three little children. Yes, they did. They went round Wendy and John and Michael, who had slipped out of bed and ran to her. George, George, she cried when she could speak, and Mr. Darling woke to share her bliss, and Nana came rushing in. There could not have been a lovelier sight. But there was none to see it except a strange boy who was staring in at the window. I hope you want to know what became of the other boys. They were waiting downstairs to give Wendy time to explain about them. And when they had counted 500, they went up. They went up by the stairs because they thought this would make a better impression. They stood in a row in front of Mrs. Darling with their hats off and wishing they were not wearing their pirate clothes. They said nothing, but their eyes asked her to have them. Of course, Mrs. Darling said at once that they would have them. As for Peter, he saw Wendy once again before he flew away. He did not exactly come to the window, but he brushed against it in passing, so that she could open it if she liked and called to him. That was what she did. Hello, Wendy. Goodbye, he said. Oh dear, are you going away? Yes. You don't think, Peter she said falteringly, that you would like to say anything to my parents about a very sweet subject? No. About me, Peter? No. Mrs. Darling came to the window, for at present she was keeping a close eye on Wendy. She told Peter that she had adopted all the other boys and would like to adopt him also. 
Would you send me to school? He asked. Yes. And then to an office? I suppose so. Soon I should be a man? Very soon. I don't want to go to school and learn serious things, he told her passionately. I don't want to be a man. Oh, Wendy's mother, if I was to wake up and feel that there was a beard? Peter, said Wendy the comforter, I should love you in a beard. And Mrs. Darling stretched out her arms to him. Keep back, lady. No one is going to catch me and make me a man. But where are you going to live? With Tink in the house we built for Wendy. The fairies are to put it high up among the treetops where they sleep at nights. How lovely, cried Wendy so longingly that Mrs. Darling tightened her grip. I thought all the fairies were gone, Mrs. Darling said. There are always a lot of young ones, explained Wendy, who was now quite an authority. Because, you see, when a new baby laughs for the first time, a new fairy is born. And as there are always new babies, there are always new fairies. They live in nests on the tops of trees, and the mauve ones are boys, and the white ones are girls. I shall have such fun, said Peter with one eye on Wendy. It will be rather lonely in the evening, she said, sitting by the fire. I shall have Tink. Tink can't go a twentieth part of the way round, she reminded him. It doesn't matter, Peter said. Oh, Peter, you know it matters. Well, then come with me to the little house. May I, Mommy? Certainly not, said Mrs. Darling. I have got you home again, and I mean to keep you. But he does so need a mother, said Wendy. So do you, my love. Oh, all right, said Wendy. You won't forget me, Peter, will you? Of course not, Peter promised. And then he flew away. Years passed and Wendy got married, and after some time, had a baby girl. She was called Jane, and always had an odd, inquiring look, as if from the moment she arrived, she wanted to ask questions. When she was old enough to ask them, they were mostly about Peter Pan. She loved to hear of Peter, and Wendy told her all she could remember in the very nursery from which the famous flight had taken place. It was Jane's nursery now. There were only two beds in the nursery now, Jane's and her nurse's. Once a week, Jane's nurse had her evening off, and then it was Wendy's turn to put Jane to bed. That was the time for stories. It was Jane's invention to raise the sheet over her mother's head and her own, thus making a tent, and in it to whisper, What do we see now? 
I don't think I see anything tonight, says Wendy, with a feeling that if Nana were here, she would object. Yes, you do, says Jane. You see when you were a little girl. That was a long time ago, sweetheart, says Wendy. Ah, me, how time flies. Does it fly? asks the artful child. The way you flew when you were a little girl? The way I flew? Do you know, Jane, I sometimes wonder whether I ever really did fly. Yes, you did. The dear old days when I could fly. Why can't you fly now, Mother? Because I am grown up, dearest. Then Wendy tells the story, and they are now embarked on the great adventure of the night when Peter flew in looking for his shadow. The silly fellow, says Wendy, tried to stick it on with soap, and when he could not, he cried, and that woke me, and I sewed it on for him. You have missed a bit, interrupts Jane, who now knows the story better than her mother. When you saw him sitting on the floor crying, what did you say? I sat up in bed and I said, Boy, why are you crying? Yes, that was it, says Jane with a big breath. And then he flew us all away to the Neverland and the fairies and the pirates and the mermaid's lagoon and the home under the ground and the little house. Yes, which did you like best of all? Hmm, I think I liked the home under the ground best of all. Yes, so do I. What was the last thing Peter ever said to you? The last thing he ever said to me was, just always be waiting for me, and then some night you will hear me crowing. Yes. But alas, he forgot all about me, Wendy said with a smile. She was as grown up as that. What did his crow sound like? Jane asked one evening. It was like this, Wendy said, trying to imitate Peter's crow. No, it wasn't, Jane said seriously. It was like this. And she did it ever so much better than her mother. Wendy was a little startled. My darling, how can you know? I often hear it when I am sleeping, Jane said. Ah, yes, many children hear it when they are sleeping, but I was the only one who heard it when I was awake. Lucky you, said Jane. And then, one night, something happened. It was the spring of the year, and the story had been told for the night, and Jane was now asleep in her bed. Wendy was sitting on the floor close to the fire so as to see to sew, for there was no other light in the nursery. And while she sat sewing, she heard a crow. Then the window blew open as of old, and Peter dropped in on the floor. 
He was exactly the same as ever. And Wendy saw all at once he still had his baby teeth. He was a little boy, and she was grown up. She huddled by the fire, not daring to move. Hello, Wendy, he said. Hello, Peter, she replied faintly. Uh, where's John? he asked, suddenly missing the third bed. John is not here now, she said. Is Michael asleep? he asked with a glance at Jane. Yes, Wendy answered, but that is not Michael, she added quickly. Peter looked. Oh, is it a new one? Yes. Boy or girl? Girl. Peter, Wendy said, faltering, are you expecting me to fly away with you? Of course, that is why I've come, he added a little sternly. Have you forgotten my promise? I can't come, she said apologetically. I have forgotten how to fly. I'll soon teach you again. Oh, Peter, don't waste the fairy dust on me. She had risen, and now at last he felt fear. What is it? he cried. I will turn up the light, she said, and then you can see for yourself. Don't turn up the light, he cried. But she turned up the light, and Peter saw. What happened? He cried again. She had to tell him. I grew up long ago, Peter. You promised not to. I couldn't help it. I am a married woman, Peter. No, you're not. Yes, and that little girl in the bed is my baby. No, she's not. But he supposed she was, and he took a step towards the sleeping child. He sat down on the floor and cried. Peter continued to cry, and soon his crying woke Jane. She sat up in bed and was interested at once. Boy, she said, why are you crying? Peter rose and bowed to her. She bowed to him from the bed. Hello, he said. Hello, said Jane. My name is Peter Pan, he told her. Yes, I know, said Jane. And that is the end of our story. Good night. Sleep tight.